Well, we are in our series on uh, the book of Joshua, and uh, we are kind of wrapping up what we have been going through for several weeks, and now we're getting into this concluding section of chapters 23 and 24. Uh, where Joshua is giving his farewell addresses and his farewell instructions. So if you want to be turning to Joshua chapter 23, that's where we're going to be at this morning. And then we will get into chapter 24 over the next couple weeks to finish up our series in Joshua. Now the last many chapters uh, prior to chapter 23 has been about Joshua distributing the land. And so we're not going to get into all the the details of those chapters. We're just going to skip into chapter 23, where Joshua is is giving these farewell addresses. And so we see this entire narrative of Joshua, where a lot has happened over many, many years. And it seems like things have been going quick because we're going from chapter to chapter to chapter. But in reality, this is a story that, that spans over decades. And here Joshua is an old man, a very old man, as he describes himself, as we'll see in a minute. And he is giving his final instructions for this really uh, historical time. There, there is this major shift here where Joshua is leaving as the designated leader, and he's not leaving behind a designated successor. Joshua has followed the role of Moses. And Joshua is the end of this legacy of leadership. And he's trying to prepare the Israelites for what it means to have life in this new land in Israel. So we're going to be reading in chapter 23. Uh, This first section gives us a review of what they've gone through and then gives gives them some exhortation of what to be cautious of as they move forward, starting in verse 1. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, not just an old man, but a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, their leaders, their judges and officials. There's this very dramatic scene here where where Joshua is pulling together all of the leaders of Israel and bringing them together for these last important words. He says to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. So he's saying, you have personally witnessed all of these things. The things I am about to review with all of you, you've seen these things. They're not just legends, they're not just stories. You have personally witnessed God doing these things. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. God has made a promise, and he has fulfilled that promise, and you have witnessed the fulfillment of these promises. He says in verse 6, Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with the nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast Hold fast or cling to, hold tightly to, embrace tightly to the Lord your God 
as you have until now. And so we have this first section of remembering and exhortation. And then we repeat this cycle in verse 9 where we have remembering and exhortation. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord, your God, fights for you just as he promised. Remember what God has done. God has fought these battles for you. He's been going on ahead of you. Verse 11, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. Be careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So remember what God has done for you. But be cautious. Be cautious not to let the, the Canaanites continue to influence you and rule over you. And then he concludes with this final warning. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Remember, God has fulfilled all of his promises. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to, you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenants, if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. So this is Joshua chapter 23. Remember what God has done. He's fulfilled his promises. But be warned. Remain obedient to what God has commanded to you. Continue to live in the covenant relationship with God. And so we have this pattern of remembering, but also with that remembering comes a warning. Now, it's important for us to remember that our past provides for us a context in which we exist. We all have a history. We have a personal history as individuals. We, we, have, we have parents. We have upbringing. We have hometowns. We have childhoods. This is our past that, that forms who we are. And then we have a larger story that we're a part of as well. Generations before us. And all of those things come together to form who we are today. And that past of who we are, the past context, the past story that we're a part of, helps define for us our future. It gives us a picture of what we can become. It gives us a perspective to build off of. We're part of this larger story. And this is what Joshua is reminding them of. Remember, you are a part of this larger story. The story is the story that goes all the, back, all the way back to creation. 
Remember what you are a part of. Remember what God has done. Remember the promises that he has fulfilled. Because if you will remember those things, and if you will hold to those truths and, re- and hold to those memories, then you will have hope that his promises will be fulfilled in the future. That in the midst of discouraging times, in the midst of, of distraction, and in the midst of, of difficulty, you can hold to the promises of God because you've seen in the story of God his promises being fulfilled. And so we spent a lot of time several weeks ago remembering the mighty acts of God, remembering the things that we're thankful for. We, we wrote down on cards and, and shared what it is that we're thankful that God has done. We have seen God move in powerful, powerful ways in our own lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of people that are close to us. And so this passage, once again, reminds us to celebrate God's amazing feats, celebrate the things that he has done. But there are great risks when we are remembering. The great risk is forgetting We forget who we are. We forget our identity. We forget what God has done. And so there are several things that Joshua says that we need to guard against, things that will cause us to forget who we are. And the first thing is that we have to guard against harmful associations. Joshua makes this really big deal about the faith-corrupting influences of the Canaanites, that who you associate with matters. This is something we tell our kids all the time, right? Bad company corrupts good character. Like who we associate with is important. And, and I think we, we, we remember that these are important lessons for our children. And as adults, we forget that our associations matter. Who we're close to matters who we're in business partnerships with, who we work with, who we're friends with, these associations matter. And so as you think about people that you are associated with, are these associations that harm our commitments to Christ? Are they associations that are distracting us and and pulling us away from Christ? We often talk about being in the world, but not of the world. And we're in this tension where we have to figure out how to have both, where where we can be in the world so that we can be influential in the world, but not be influenced by the world. And this is this constant tension that we face. Our mission requires us to be in the world. It requires us to associate with people that are not Christ followers. But at the same time, we're called to maintain a unique Christian identity. How do we maintain that identity? How do we balance that tension? How do we hold to the the high standards of discipleship while at the same time being a part of the world that we're trying to influence? There's no easy answer to that. And for each of us, it's going to be a unique, different answer. When we start coming up with a list of things, we start to come up with a legalistic environment that that we don't want to be a part of. Many of us grew up in an environment that had certain rules that kept us separate from the world. 
Maybe those were rules about dancing or drinking. Maybe they were rules about what type of school you went to or the types of friends you had. And so it's important for us to continue to maintain these these separations, but we can't come up with a legalistic list for each of us. Because for each of us, there are certain associations that, that really don't have any influence on us at all. But for me, that's going to be different than for you. And so some of us have associations that we need to get rid of. Are they associations that help draw us close to Christ? Or are they associations that are appealing to weaknesses that we have that are distracting us from Christ? Paul gives similar warnings in 2 Corinthians. In in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not have this close association or a partnership or a marriage with unbelievers. These associations can, can damage our connection to God. Romans 12, 12, or 12, 2 in the message reads this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that he want, what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God is concerned about transformation from the inside out. And so this leads us to our second thing that we need to guard against, and this is the world's influence. Associations, who we associate with, but then also the world's influence. And this is one that is so challenging. We must guard against the larger culture's influence against us. We are caught in this crossfire between God's work and culture's attack. Max Lucado tells a story of, of two prowlers, really pranksters, who break into a department store, but they don't steal anything in breaking in the, into the department store. Instead, they go and, and switch all the price tags around on all the products in the store. So the really expensive items now have small price tags, and the small items have big price tags. And so the $500 item is selling for $595, and the the $595 item is selling for $600. And and the store opens the next day, and they do business for four hours before they realize something is wrong with the pricing of this store. But the culture comes in and does the same thing to us. It's attributing high value to things that are really quite worthless. And saying, th- saying that the things that are really valuable are actually cheap. Culture has given us all the wrong values, all the wrong prices for the things around us. Lucato says, We see the most valuable things in our lives peddled for pennies, and we see the cheapest smut go for millions. And this is what culture does for us. It it raises and values the things that really are not that valuable. 
A lot of this is seen in, in what we spend money on. What are the things that, that get the most money? Well, performers, whether it's professional athletes or music performers or, or movie stars, they're the ones who, who get the most money. They've performed well. And what value is there really in that? Is God concerned about our external perceptions? Is God concerned about our external uh, images, how well we perform in front of people? Or is God concerned about what's going on inside of our lives, transforming our character, transforming our worldview, transforming our attitudes and our values and our beliefs? But the value system has been flipped upside down. And so where are you getting your bearings from? Where, where are you being oriented from? Are, are you getting your values from the world? This creeps into our lives in ways that we aren't even aware of. With media and work associations and club memberships and activities the things that we involve ourselves into start to chip away and pick away at the God-centered values that should be driving our lives. And so do a quick audit. Do a quick inventory right now of what are the things that are influencing you? What are the things that are speaking truth into your life? Is it social media? Is it the news cycle? Is it a political party? What are the things that are speaking truth into your life? Is it friends? Co-workers? That favorite blog? What are the things that are speaking truth in your lives? And are those things drawing you away from Jesus? Or are they drawing, them, drawing you toward Jesus? What are the influences in your life? How have they affected your attitudes, your vocabulary, your motivation to honor God? And so then the last thing to guard against is our lost identity. Because if the associations that we have and, and, and the world's influence come in too strongly around us, as, as Joshua was warning against the Canaanites, then we lose our unique identity as children of God, as God's people, one, ones who are set apart. We need to cling to our identity in Jesus. Hold tightly to. The, this, this image is, is, is holding on so tightly you can't let go. We cling to Jesus. How tightly are you clinging to him? Can you see much space between him and you. When I think about the, the clinging to, I think of, of the high school session at Ponderosa where there's always some dating couple who wants to cling too tightly to one another because they're high school students, right? And there's always some rule or some joke about how to keep them separated. And so oftentimes the counselors get involved in very entertaining ways, and they give them a stick to hold between them to make sure that there is plenty of space between this clinging couple. 
And so we look at ourselves and our relationship with God, and we see how, how clingy are we to one another? How clingy am I to God? Do, do we have this separation where we, we've got this space between us? Because I've got my job, I've got my hobbies, I've got my friends, I've got my social circles, I've got all these things that are not connected to God. And so the separation is a little bit distant. Or do I cling to him? Do I hold to him so tightly that you really can't see where one stops and the other begins? Joshua warns to carefully, be very careful to love the Lord. And this is an interesting way to describe love for God. He says, love God very carefully. I don't hear those instructions a lot in our culture that talk about love. Because in our culture, love is something that you fall in and out of. There's really not a lot of intentionality to it. There's not a lot of, of carefulness about it. You just fall into it or you fall out of it. But he's saying you need to be very careful to love God. There is an intentionality there. It requires effort. He reminds us that it's going to take some work if we're going to love God. That if we're to maintain that relationship with him, it's going to take us intentionally working on our relationship with God. And we're to love him with everything that we have, all that we are. And so how would you describe your identity? As you think about us reflecting God, that we, we are clinging to God, that we love God carefully, we love God intentionally, is that what your life is marked by? Is that how you can be described? We think about identity, and, and it's often something about a physical characteristic. I'm, I'm a certain height, I'm a certain weight, I've got a certain color hair, I've got a certain color eye. These are all things that mark my identity of who I am. Or maybe there are things that I've accomplished. I've received a certain level of education. I have a certain level in my job. These are, these are marks of accomplishment, and that marks my identity. Or is it our relationship with God and our closeness to God that marks who we are? And so Joshua says, guard this identity because it can easily be stolen. If you've experienced identity theft, you know it's not a fun experience to have someone else going around using your identity to buy things, to get into debt, to get a, a criminal record. Identity is important to us. And so Joshua, in his farewell address, as he is, as he is a very old man, he's saying to the people, guard against your associations Who's close to you will influence you. Guard against the world's influence because the world wants to pull you away from God. And guard your identity because we are a people set apart for God's purposes. Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer uh, this is an opportunity for you to respond in a variety of ways. It can be a time for you to spend 
uh, just you and God spending some time talking about what it is that have become influences in your life. What are the things that are pulling you, drawing you away from closeness with God? Uh, maybe it's a time that you need to confess to somebody, whether uh, to one of your shepherds or to someone in your life group or to a family member or a friend. Say, I, I need some prayer through this time. I've lost sight of where I need to be. It's a time for us to, to, to respond. What is God saying to you? What is he convicting you of? What is he, he moving and stirring in your soul as you think about who you are and what you're called into? And then what are you going to do about it? How can you be obedient to what God is calling you into? Let's spend time in prayer together now. Uh, you can uh, pray with one another. Uh, you can join with the praise team in this next song. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for your word and your message to us today. I pray that you will continue to speak into our lives, that we will have ears to hear, and that we will have the courage to obey what you've called us into. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.